0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The Lord is 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 amen today we are continuing uh, with our mission our mission series again about oh every other year or such we touch base with this again because the mission of our church for years years ago whenever bishop was still pastor amen our mission as a church is to love as God loves showing compassion to every soul thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out Plant and to harvest. We've already considered over the past few weeks how we are to love as God loves. We have considered this showing compassion aspect, which is more than just recognizing something, but being active and moving toward every soul. Everybody say every, every soul. And so this morning, we're going to consider winning those souls. We discovered new last week that, you know, a part of every individual or person, more so than just, you know, flesh and blood and skin and whatever physical appearance may be, that there is an eternal part of that person known as the soul. These bodies will disintegrate and return to the earth, to dust from whence they came. and But there's an eternal part of us, the soul, that's going to live on forever. Amen. And so we have a commission from the Lord as a church to reach out to the souls, the souls of mankind. Second Corinthians five, going to begin with verse number uh, 17. We're glad to have Zach McGee's fiance and mother here with us this morning. Now, really start putting things together. Really start putting things together, brother Zach. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, he he was uh, going to go uh, this past Friday to a a rally and he had a ministry spot and someone called in sick uh, or was a coworker of his was sick at work and Because of that, he's going to have to stay. And then I come home this weekend and see your fiance is here. And I've got conflicting thoughts, really. About what the capability was, really. But I trust it was because the co-worker was sick. Um, Or it could have been some other sickness. Maybe he was starting to feel a little sick. Love sick. Amen. no, we appreciate... Uh, her today and her mom and it won't be long that there will be wedding bells ringing reality for those two is just right around the corner that that will be taking place and so that's uh, the first weekend in June isn't that correct first weekend in June and so that's just a few months away and we have another Summer and her uh, fiance right Uh, as well uh, with us this morning and we're so glad to have him as well today in the house of the lord with us and that the lord has brought her back safe from lubbock texas and, uh... so let's consider 2 corinthians 5 17 and if i embarrassed anybody I, that was not my intent okay i'm just letting you know that was not my intent uh that looks totally different if i'm trying to embarrass you 2 corinthians 5 and verse number 17 therefore If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is our mission again this morning, part number three, talking about winning winning these souls that we're to have compassion upon. Father I come to you today Lord I'm grateful Lord Jesus for another opportunity God to be in this place. I pray oh Lord that you're able to touch every heart and every mind here today. God you're able to focus our attention, square us up Lord in the direction God, that you would want and have for us to go. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you're able to aid us today. Lord, help us, God, to be the church. Help us, Lord, to fulfill, oh, Lord God, the mission, Lord, that we say is our mission. God, that we say is ours. Lord, we do not want to disappoint you, Lord, in this regard, but, God, we want Jesus to be, Lord, on point. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen, you may be seated. Amen. This evening, we're going to have a baptism tonight, and tonight's service. Uh, Casey Swatsley uh, spoke last week to me and wanted to be baptized tonight, so they should be here this evening once baptized. Amen. And also, we're going to have uh, some testimonies from some of those uh, that went into prison last weekend uh, this Sunday night, and we'll have some preaching too. Amen. So, we've got a lot of things to do. Amen. Tonight, but here we are this morning. Amen. And we're talking then about winning souls. It may appear may appear as a very tall order if we believe that we as individuals or as a church are solely responsible for the salvation of souls. And I it's all up to me. It's all up to me. I got to win souls. Well, the fact of the matter is not one of us or not one church is solely responsible for another salvation apart from Christ Jesus. No man the Bible says coming to him except the spirit draws him. Amen. But although we may not be solely responsibility. That does not mean we don't have any part or responsibility as well. We do have responsibility. We're not exempt. Uh, you've heard people rally around the cry sometimes. That it's God who gives the increase. You know. And that is true. Uh, you know the Bible speaks of. Paul watering or, or, or Paul planting, Apollos watering, but it's God that gave the increase. That's true. It's God who gives the increase, but that does not mean we take a back seat to the soul winning business and just say, okay, God, it's just all up to you. We're just going to see what you do. As a matter of fact, there were divisions, the Bible says, in the Corinthian church because, as I've already stated, some said, well, I've been baptized by Paul. Others said, I have been baptized by Apollos. And so they were pricked in their heart by the message that both Paul or Apollos had preached. And as a result of being pricked in their heart, they seen their need or followed through with uh, baptism, uh, which these guys had taught to them the gospel message. Look at it with me, if you will. First Corinthians three and verse four. For while one saith, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe these were people that taught and preached the message of Christ. And as by virtue of them teaching and preaching, you believed upon the Lord. It says, even as the Lord gave to every man, verse six, I have planted Apollos of water, Paul said, but God gave the increase verse seven. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase and so The Apostle Paul is trying to bring some clarity to their thinking and to their mind that it didn't matter if Apollos baptized them. It didn't matter if Paul had baptized them. The whole point is this, is that they were convicted by the message, the message that they preached, and that nothing would have benefited them had it not been for God giving the increase, if it wasn't for God being involved. We'll have a baptism tonight. I already asked Brother Malone if he wouldn't mind handling that. i do that anymore. Have somebody else do it. It doesn't really matter if he's baptized me or by Brother Malone or by Brother Mason or anybody else. Amen. That would be able to baptize. But what we need is God to be a part of it. God to be a part of the baptism. God to be involved. Because it's not that. The planter is more important than the waterer, as it would be. It's not that Paul is more important than Apollos or vice versa, but that God is involved. They believed, the the, the convert believed on their message to the place that they practiced or obedient was to the message, and God was a part of that, and the outcome was this. A soul was saved, all right? A soul was saved. So we don't need to overcorrect either, though. We don't need to overcorrect and say, well, since God gives the increase, then it doesn't matter concerning my involvement. Well, it does because it was by the message of Paul or by the message of Apollos that this truth was brought to this convert. And they had an awareness that they needed baptized, that they needed saved. So while it's important for God to be a part, it's important for us to be a mouthpiece. Amen. And tell the world in which we live and the society in which we live that. They need what God has for them. Amen. A great, a great disconnect sometimes is people don't understand that they need what God has for them. And so in reality, us and God or us and Apollos or us and your neighbor, we are all in this thing together. We are laborers together. We, we need not to get to a place that, you know, we're competing with the other apostolic church in another town uh, per se because we, we are in this together. What happened with the disciples when they went out on the water and the bible says they brought in a draw of fishes in so much that their net break that some of the others what went out to the water with them and helped them get the fish into the boat it wasn't like well that's their net their fish their problem they could no no they went out if you will it was like two different churches going out on the water and getting the fish in the boat that's kingdom minded they knew that they were in this thing together The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are laborers together with God, with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Natural illustration. Take a seed, plant it in the ground, and, and, and care for the seed that is planted in the ground. Make sure it gets the proper sunlight. Water it properly. Make sure it's saturated, you know, at the right times with water. And there's sometimes you can do all of that, do everything that is right, and still yet, nothing can happen. You'll talk to farmers here in harvest time in the fall, and there's not probably too many that will say we had 100% yield. That just doesn't happen very often. Amen. But we do know this, right? A farmer, and I, I have spoke this many times, a farmer that goes out into the fall season when it's time to harvest and stands in his field and says, I just can't believe it. Would you not? I just can't believe it. Honey, there has been 0% yield this year. This is frustrating. What is the deal with this ground? What's the deal with the sunlight? Only to find out he never planted anything in the spring. Now that seems outrageous, don't it? To complain over something you never put in the soil. But sometimes we do that as individuals or as a church. I can't believe there's not a new convert. I just can't believe no one's been baptized. Well, I just can't believe. Well, did you sow anything? Okay. Yeah. Amen. Did you sow anything? Because we're trying to expect something from nothing. Uh-huh. Trying to expect something from nothing. If you plant nothing, well, you're probably going to get nothing. But at least if you plant something, you might get somewhat of a yield. Maybe it won't be 100%, but maybe it'll be some type of of percentage. The Bible says, and this is in the context of giving, but the Bible says in Second Corinthians nine and six, but this I say, he which soweth what? Sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so there is a direct there is a direct line between what you sow and what you harvest. There's a direct line that if you do it bountifully, you're probably going to have a greater chance of a greater yield. If you do it sparingly, you're probably going to have less of a chance of a great yield because you started with less to begin with. Amen. And so I don't, I don't want just to uh, go out into the field and try to expect a harvest if I'm not sown anything. Amen. It is, I guess, possible maybe to sow and maybe not reap anything. Amen. But the Bible tells us what we have working on our side concerning spiritual matters is that God gives the increase. God gives the increase. And so God, given the increase, he is causing what is put in the soil to grow. He gives the increase. It's not that he's out there the one putting the seed in the soil. That's where I come involved. That's where I'm a laborer together with God. So I put seed in the soil. Another one comes by and waters. God gives the increase. I'm wanting God to increase something that's not even there. Everybody doing all right? Man, you all, I'm fine today. Everybody okay? Amen. So I can't, I can't do that. I want him to give increase because you know what? I have faith. I put something in the soil. I know we've watered it with his word. I know we've made all the conditions just proper. And if I do that, God, I'm depending on you to give the increase because I can't make it grow. I can't make it shoot forth from the ground. But I've done everything I know to do. Now, God, I'm depending upon you for the increase. Can someone say amen? So we labor with him. We do our part. God does His part. Amen. We give God something to work with. I know in the beginning He didn't have anything, but when it comes to the souls of men, He wants us to enter in with Him in His labor. And so we want to win souls. Our phrase in our mission statement is thus winning those souls. The word thus there. I don't know if Bishop really knew what he was doing. Amen. But God knew what He was doing through Bishop. Amen. That word thus there is defined as this. In the way just indicated. In other words, it tells you how to win the soul. But you've got to look backward in our mission statement. To love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus, or in the way just indicated, winning those souls, meaning a way in which we help win souls is by loving the souls Showing compassion on the souls from last week, we understood that's not just noticing a need, but activating and trying to help fulfill the need, loving them, showing compassion. He said, thus winning those souls. Listen, folks will just totally be impacted and affected when they feel a love they've never felt and receive compassion they've never had. That goes a long way in anybody's life. Amen. In anybody's life. So if you can love, if you can show compassion, you know what that does? That bridges the gap between them and God. People that feel estranged or far from God. You're building a bridge of love from God to them. You're building a bridge of compassion from God to them. And so you bridge the gap and thus winning those souls. Now, we know God is the only one that can save a soul god is the only one that can win a soul but everybody look at your neighbor and tell him you're a recruiter yes you are a recruiter in our text paul told the corinthian church that god which is spirit according to john 42 john 4 24 was in christ meaning that god manifested himself in the flesh as a man jesus christ 1 Timothy 3.16, and God was reconciling the world to himself. So God's in Christ, but through Christ, he's reconciling, trying to bridge the gap, if you will, between man and himself through Christ. In the garden, the gap came into play. In the garden, sin and transgression, there's a separation between God and humanity. But now in the New Testament, whenever God made himself a body, Christ Jesus, God is in Christ, he's trying to reconcile. He's trying to bring that relationship back to himself. Then when you look at verse 18, Paul got very personal here. He says, Paul got personal and told them that God reconciled him, speaking of himself, or reconciled us by Jesus Christ. Namely, how did he do that? Through Jesus' death through Jesus' burial, and through Jesus' resurrection. That's how all of us were reconciled to God, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Hallelujah. But this reconcile, this word reconcile, means to change or exchange. Change or exchange, to return in favor with somebody. And so God wanted to reconcile or exchange or get the world back in favor with himself by using the life of Jesus Christ, namely his death, burial, and resurrection. There's that reconciliation that needs to happen because whenever sin was in the lives of humanity, guess what? God's upset. God's upset. He even tells us in his word that no sin will enter into heaven. He doesn't look kindly upon sin. So the anger of God had to be appeased. How? Through Jesus Christ. The payment you could not pay because you had no perfect lamb or perfect blood or the ability to pay. Christ came down or God came down in the form of a man, Christ Jesus, paid your price and appeased God's anger and brought reconciliation through the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. And so all of that was taken care of through reconciliation. We were returning in favor with God all right so and I told I told the prisoners even uh, a portion of this uh, last last week whenever I was uh, speaking to them about forgiveness and that is this if you look at verse number 19 of second Corinthians uh, chapter number five if you look at verse number 19 the Bible tells us that God did not impute did not impute their trespasses to them he did not impute their trespasses to them The word impute means to count. It means to take into account, to make an account. In other words, he didn't take their trespasses, which were literally theirs, and put it on their account. That's what should have happened. That would have been justice. Your transgressions, your sins, put on your account. That was justice. But the Bible says God did not do that. Rather, the scripture tells us in verse number 21 that he made Jesus Christ to be sin for us. And so the reconciliation and the exchange that took place was this. Jesus, who knew no sin, he's tempted in all ways like you and I, but he knew no sin. He took our sins. He bore his our sins in his body. And we, who are born into sin, who are sinners from the first moment we enter this world whose transgression should be on our account he took what was on our account and he gave us what was on his account he the bible says gave us his righteousness and he took our transgressions now that is folks an exchange He is still willing and able to do it today. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, you say, Brother McGee, all I got is mistakes. All I got is a bunch of hangups. All I got is everywhere where I've done wrong in my past. I'm here to tell you today, He is still the reconciler, and He's capable to give you His righteousness and take your sin upon Him. As a matter of fact, He's already taken your sin upon Him. Amen. That exchange has already happened at the cross. Whenever he took sin, it wasn't just sin of what had been committed and what was being committed. It's the sin of what would be committed. He took upon him. And so that that, here's Christ. He's the medium through which all this done, the medium through which this reconciliation took place, this medium through which souls were one. That's great. Good going, Jesus. Right. But he ascended into heaven, didn't he? The disciples stood there and they they watched as he was taken up and ascended. Notice what Paul tells us then in verses 18 and 19. Notice the phrases now. God hath given to us. Me and you. Paul's day. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God have committed to us the word of Reconciliation. Christ is the example. Christ is the format. He was literally among mankind and he was the medium. He was, if you will, the one reconciling the word, the world to God through himself. But now Paul says Christ is 33 and a half years or or, or over here upon the earth, but he still has a body left in the earth. It's called his church. And he says, now you are the reconcilers. What are you talking about? If you've been filled with the spirit of the Holy Ghost, the Bible talks about that spirit in you being like a river of living water springing up. Honey, there is a river that flows from you that is landing on people that are thirsty for something. Oh, yes. And there is a drawing then through the Spirit of the Lord that's in you that makes you a reconciler of men. Not to yourself, not to a church building, but unto God. We don't need people reconciled per se to a certain church. We need people reconciled to God. Amen. He said you, you, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. What's God saying? Let's become laborers together in this. Huh? Let's become laborers together in this. You have the word. You have the word of reconciliation. Verse uh, 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. Now then, based upon all this, that I'm a reconciler, that this word of reconciliation has been given to me. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did, look at the wording, as though God did beseech you, Humanity, now what? By us, His church, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Let that divine, ex- we are, everyone say, I'm an ambassador. You know what that means? You're a representation of Christ Jesus. You're a representation of Christ Jesus. And so how do we then love as God loves? I tell you how. We're a representation of Christ Jesus. If he had had compassion toward him, we have compassion toward him. If he would have loved them, we would have loved them. If he's capable of looking beyond their fault to see their need, we got to look beyond their fault to see their need. We are a representation. Take any ambassador of the United States that's sat in some foreign land. They are the representation of the United States. In other words, everybody's going to get their idea about what the United States is like because of their representation. And so whenever they send them as ambassadors to other countries, you know what they want to make sure? That they are going to represent us well. They're going to represent as well that if the president himself had went, that there will not be any difference in representation right. of the scruples and the beliefs and and, and the whatever you know concerning the United States. God has made His church a representative, an ambassador in the earth, and so whenever people see us, you know what their mind needs to think. Man, that seems awful like like Jesus. That's awful similar to Jesus. I, We now now being, because of given, being given the word of reconciliation, been made reconcilers, we are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ. And so God is using you. Huh? I know it's hard to believe. It is sometimes, sincerely. It's hard to believe. But God is using us. He's beseeching or he's calling for. He's summoning us. Humanity through you. What a responsibility. What a responsibility, brother Terry McGee, to think that God would use me to reach humanity. He's not coming to be born of a virgin again. It's not happening again. Bethlehem has already taken place. If he's coming back, he's coming back to get his church. So he's not coming back through Bethlehem's manger again. No, he's left now the responsibility to us. To be the reconcilers, if you will, that God could beseech people, beseech humanity through us. We are in Christ's stead, if you will. We have now become the medium through which God now works and calls and reaches. He is saying, be reconciled. And again, not to us, but be reconciled to God and when you're born again to the water of the spirit and you receive God's spirit in you no one else no one else needs to die for this exchange Christ already died for that matter none of us are fit to die he's not calling you to die in a very literal way he is telling you to die out to sin and be resurrected in the spirit. But the death that was needful for this reconciliation already took place. We're just to be representatives. We provide a means for God to call people lost souls, broken souls, confused souls. He's given us that ministry, that word of reconciliation. But ultimately, he's the reconciler. We're just like a tool. The Bible says in Revelations 22 and verse 17 states these words. This is in the closure. Of, of the Bible. This is in the closure of the book of Revelation. John is writing. He speaks these words. These are powerful words. If you ever have an opportunity, I, I advise you. You could probably search it on the internet. Listen to Pastor Mike Williams' sermon from Apopka, Florida on the spirit and the bride say come. It's Tremendous. Verse number 17 of Revelation 22. John writes and says, And the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth come and let him that is athirst." thirst come. Come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. In in the closure of the Bible, in the closure of the book of Revelation, John is pinning the words inspired of the Holy Ghost. There is a plea, what, to humanity. There is a plea, what, still yet to the fallen world of his day and every day that would follow, saying, come. What are they beckoning? People to a place, to a relationship with God. But it's important because that first phrase says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Huh? The spirit of the Lord is beckoning. But we join in labors with that spirit as his bride. As the church. It's not just the spirit that's drawing. But the church needs to be a drawing. And saying come on home. Come on and drink of the waters of life. And drink of them freely. <laughs> We're not charging you for this. We're not charging for you for this. Come and drink of the waters of life freely. Look now i got to keep track. I have enough stuff here today. We won't get done today. Okay. On this. Just a newsflash. I can do it if you want to. I mean, I'm all for it, but I don't know if your lunch is. Acts 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. I think it was. I think it was back whenever we was doing our uh, book of Acts study. That was a long one. And nevertheless, we was doing our book of Acts study. And we was in that first chapter. And I, I felt like the Lord kind of opened my eyes to something on this phrase that I just never quite had seen before, where the Bible says, "Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, because I think sometimes it's even been quoted or stated, you know, "Ye shall receive power that you might be a witness unto them. It's not what the Bible says. It says ye shall, God, Jesus is speaking, says ye shall be witnesses unto me. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Ye shall receive power, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Now, the word witness, the etymology of the word witness is this, one who is, the meaning is one who is mindful or heeds. In other words, ye shall be mindful or heed unto me. Me, you see that you shall be mindful or heed unto me. Where Jerusalem? That was local for them. Judea, that was kind of getting their their nation, national Samaria. That even goes beyond that. That's half Jew, half Gentiles. And there was a place, actual Samaria, that's multicultural. Uttermost. We can go, that's international. And I guess if we have anything else out there, intergalactical. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. But here's the thing, he says, "Ye are witnesses unto me. Whether you're at home or whether you're in a foreign place to us, you know what that's saying. And this is why I taught even in our act series that anywhere and everywhere you go, you need to be mindful and heeding to Him. Hmm, what's that mean? That being in obedience to God, this thing that we call church and church life and living Christianity is not just a church service thing. It's not just for this arena that wherever you go, you need to be sensitive to him, mindful of him everywhere you go. Why? Because you never know when he might call on you to be a tool of reconciliation. It doesn't always happen in the church that people are healed. Doesn't always happen in the church that people are filled with the Holy Ghost or people repent sometimes that happens in places outside of the four walls of the church why because people said I'm going to be a witness unto you I'm going to be mindful of you I'm going to heed to you and what that means is sometimes the spirit comes down in settings outside of the church and says you need to say this you need to ask this you need to maybe do this amen concerning this individual or that person wherever they may be what is that being that's being a witness unto him it's saying yes Lord I heard you I'm going to be obedient I'll be a piece of conduct through which your spirit can flow I'll let my river go over the dam right now and reach yes amen oh brother yes it's important to be sensitive to the Lord beyond these walls everybody's in church oh yes God what do you want for this service Lord yes God hallelujah we're gonna follow your lead Lord you need to do that outside of these walls amen What do you want, Lord, you need to pray that God makes divine intersections where your life intersects the life of somebody that's in need of him every day and opens up the opportunity for you to be a tool of reconciliation. I challenge you. You want to do a challenge? Let's just let's just make it a two week challenge. I challenge you now for the next two weeks to pray that prayer. God, make a divine intersection in my life where I can talk to somebody about you. And I'll tell you what you're gonna find in those two weeks. It's gonna happen. I'm just I'm just telling you. Try it for two weeks. Come back and talk to me. It's gonna happen. If you're sincerely pray the prayer, you know why? Why in the world would that happen? Because you enter into his labor. You're not asking him anything he don't want done. You know what that's called? Praying according to his will. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Paul said in Acts 14, 17, that God left not himself without witness. In other words, God made sure that he would have a people that would be mindful of him, heeding his direction that could be used in any location of life, whether it's local, national, multicultural, international, or even beyond, you know, even some of those lines that I've just indicated. Amen. If we're mindful of God, if we give heed to the Lord and we take the burden for the lost, his burden to seek and save that which is lost and adopt it as our own. He'll open up those doors. Jesus said this Matthew 4 19. Jesus said this. He said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Bishop Raymond Bishop. His last name's a bishop and he's a bishop now, so that's the reason why. <laughs> it's not that I couldn't remember if Bishop was his first name or last name. <laughs> although I wouldn't put it past me Bishop Raymond Bishop years ago I remember I think was at a general ministry conference he stated that verse he said follow me and I will make you fishers of men he said this I'll never forget I wrote it down he said if you're not fishing he said you must not be following follow me I'll make you fishers of men he said if you're not fishing said you must not be following Because the mandate of Christ was this. If you follow me, that's the condition. I will. Yeah, wow, that's heavy stuff. Simple, but very heavy. He says, if you're not fishing, then you must not be following. In John 12, in John 12, there were some some Greeks that uh, had come to worship at a feast. And they approached one of Jesus' disciples by the name of Philip. And this is what they said to Philip. They said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Come to a disciple of the Lord. Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip takes this information of them coming and saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. What does he do? He goes, finds another disciple. (laughs) And he tells Andrew. Andrew said, there's some Greeks here. And they approached me with this, sir, we would see Jesus. So then Peter, or rather Philip and Andrew, both of them, they go and they find Jesus. And they told Jesus, there's had some Greeks come, they've come to Philip first, Philip's come to me, Andrew says. They're saying, sir, we would see Jesus. Now, this is how Jesus responded in verses 23 and 24 of John 12. He said, This is how I respond to Philip and Andrew. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24 Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much. Fruit. Jesus is saying, the hour's coming. Son of Man, he's speaking even of himself. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be glorified. But this kind of you know baffles us sometimes. He says, The means, though, to my glorification, he uses an illustration. It's like a corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying. Because if it don't die, it's gonna bite a little. But if it'll die, it'll bring forth much fruit. What's he say? He said, the means to my glorification. Is my death and my barrel. It took humiliation before glorification. It was my death, my barrel, my resurrection. Then you go just a little further down, then, like verse thirty-two of the same chapter, and Jesus says this: "And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me." Verse thirty-three. And this he said, signifying what death he should die. He said, if I'll be lifted up, so he's not talking about limelight. (laughs) He's not talking about accolades. The lifting up that he is speaking of is being lifted up on a cross. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men. And he's signifying about how he should die. And that would be through that would come his glorification. That would be the way that he would be glorified. Amen. And so when he's lifted up, he draws all men unto him. Number one, you've heard me say it before. From the moment of Calvary even till now and on into the future, Christ started drawing mankind once he was lifted up on a cross, and that has never stopped. And I've said it, and I'll hit hit the horse after it's dead, and I'll kick it. They say, don't kick a dead horse, but I'm going to. (laughs) He's lifted up. He's drawn men. Here's what we must get in our minds, because this is what we do. This is how we operate. We're outside of the scope of the church, right? We're being witnesses unto him. We feel the sensitivity of his spirit saying, say such and such. Oh, God, I can't say that to them. I can't ask them that question. They're going to look at me like a fool. I can't ask them if they need prayer for anything. (laughs) But you know what? According to his word. From the moment he's been lifted up, he draws men. So when he's asking you to open your mouth, he's already asking you to open your mouth to somebody he's been drawing since Calvary. How else though can we keep this alive and real? Because it was that death barrel and crucifix, if you will? That that death barrel and crucifix, he said, being lifted up that drew. You know what we then do in the churches? Amen, that we uh, participate in what should be heralded from their pulpits. We need to preach about the death of the Lord Jesus. We need to preach about the burial of the Lord Jesus. We need to preach about the crucifix of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because every time I do that, man, it's just stirring up this whole drawing impact because it's that very aspect that calls the drawing of humanity, the gospel message, the drawing of humanity. Amen. And so be encouraged because as you pray these two weeks, About God giving you a divine intersection. Whenever that time comes, open your mouth. Because somebody is being drawn. Yes, somebody is being drawn. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse number 10. And I'll just keep you just a few, few more minutes, okay? I'll find a good landing spot so we can carry on next week. Romans 5 and verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death. And if you have a death, what is automatically assumed? Burial. Right? Unless there's just something totally unforeseen and somebody doesn't have a burial. But most of the time, we bury our dead. All right? We are reconciled to God by the death. Burial assumed of his son. Much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. Someone say amen. So if. Reconciliation. That's what it says in Romans 5. If reconciliation happened by his death, if he drew all men by being lifted up on that tree, his crucifix, see, he drew them. There's a reconciling taking place. If he did all that by his death, the Bible says, how much more shall we be reconciled and drawn by his resurrected life? Woo! Boy, did that not stir up things in Jerusalem. When the tomb that was filled ends up being empty, huh? And some of the ladies that are bringing in spices that morning beholds an empty tomb. They go running to tell others. Peter and John even run and make their way to the tomb and they find it empty. Oh, rippling throughout all Jerusalem is what? Man, this person who was dead, he's not there anymore. Some are saying he's held right true to his promise that in three days, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up. There's life. Everybody, there was a good crowd, yeah, at the crucifix, but honey, there's a lot of talk going on whenever he who was dead is now alive. Honey, the Bible is saying if they're reconciled by a death, that seems to have a record of finality to it how much more are they going to be reconciled if you will by his life honey if they're going to get close to God by baptism in Jesus name which is similar to his death how much more are they going to be reconciled by receiving the spirit of God in them the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in them quickening their mortal oh yes Woo! That's the reason I say this morning, if you've ever been baptized in Jesus' name, that's great. You need to and you ought to do. But folks, you're not over yet with your reconciliation. That's good. You've not experienced anything until you've been born again of the water and the spirit. You, My God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Stand with me today. Some of you are, but the rest of you can join us. right so we don't just teach about his death we don't just teach about his burial we teach about his resurrection yeah four weeks from now is going to be Easter or what I'd rather call resurrection Sunday there will be some Easter services that will do nothing but talk about his death I'm serious that's fine, but let's not leave him dead because he's not. He's alive. For. Let's think about it. I mean, we are so, sometimes society is so caught up on the death aspect of Christ. That's the reason why they have all their little symbols of crosses. They have it in their homes, you know, have it on their socks, have it around their ankle. I'm just serious. Cross here, cross here. Thank the Lord for the crucifix. Thank the Lord for the crucifix. Let me tell you something. The death would not have meant much of anything if there wasn't a resurrection. He would have been another person that hung on a cross that went to a grave. The resurrection gives meaning to the death. Maybe rather than a cross in your house, you need a tomb that's empty hanging on your wall. Winning those souls, winning those souls. And so we, we stay, we state as our mission to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul of us, winning those souls. God can only give the increase, but we now, Paul, now Peter, Paul says, now we are ambassadors. We're representatives, We're representatives in the world. We're representatives in the earth. Let's get it in close. We're representatives in our community. We're rep- representatives in our places of business. We are ambassadors. So, anywhere and everywhere I go, if we bow our heads today, anywhere and everywhere I go as I leave this church building on Sunday, the best way that you can be a witness to them is if you'll be mindful and heedful of Him. Because who knows? When there'll be a divine intersection that God wants for somebody's life and he says I'm going to use I'm going to use Rhonda McGee or I'm going to use Joella Jessup or I'm going to use so and so forth and so forth at this moment I'm going to, I'm going to try to reconcile this person I'm going to beseech them summon them by God I'm going to allow my spirit to work through them to reach somebody that's in need of me These altars are open this morning. There could be someone here today. There could be somebody that's walked into these double doors in the back today that's in need of the Lord. That's in need of the Lord. You may have not maybe reached a particular juncture in your life that you per se feel like you need Him. Let me tell you, if you have been born into this world, if you've been born into this world, whether you've come to the recognition of it or not, you are in need of god you're in need of god i'm telling you today he's willing he's willing to impute to you he's willing to put on your account his righteousness today he's willing to put on your account his righteousness today because he's already taken your pitfalls and your failures and mistakes taken all of that the handwritings the bible says of the ordinances that were written against you he's taken that and already nailed it to a tree and he's willing to put on your account his righteousness we bow our heads all across this place brother mason we start singing something here today these altars are open If there's somebody here today, perhaps maybe just a member of this church family this morning says, Brother McGee, I'm going to take that two-week challenge and I'm going to talk to God every day this week and I'm going to say, God, make there a divine intersection, God, with my life and somebody else's life and help me, Lord, to be a witness unto you, God, being mindful and heedful of that. God, that you'll give me the right words to say and the right spirit, Lord, to portray. God, when I speak those words, that God it'll land, God it'll land upon the ears of somebody that you've been drawing since Calvary. God, that you put a drawing upon them before they were ever born into the world. You had them in mind, God. I pray, oh, Master, today use me in that way. I want to, Lord, take your burden for the loss upon my shoulders, God, and I want that to be my own burden.